0: We open once again over St. Fleur. The sun is hanging low in the sky, dipping below the horizon and reflecting off the icy surface of Lake Superior. From our shot in the sky, we can hear the occasional bout of traffic, but for a moment we could be forgiven for believing that peace had fallen over the city. We fast forward through a bout of images from the end of the last episode. Alistair and Theodora exchanging words in her private study at the country club. Victor standing on a bridge over the river, his breath hanging in the air as he curses. Jeremiah joining Dinah for dinner, concern in his eyes over the bruise forming along her right jawline. A shot of Alex's hand grabbing the shoulder of Anna. And finally, Silk sitting in his car, scrolling through the contacts of his phone. Before we begin, we have two archetype-specific beginning of session moves I'd like to resolve. Additionally, Urban Shadows does have a general session intro move, but due to the pacing of the show, we will only be doing that and these archetype moves when it feels fictionally appropriate. Let's begin with Alex and his web. Alex, can you explain to us what happens at the beginning of the session with your web?
1: Yes. So at the start of a session, I choose someone in my web and I can learn a secret about them that they would rather keep buried. And I think there are currently two people in my web. There's Jeremiah and Anna Rosenberg. And I would like to know what Anna's hiding. She appears to just be a
0: housemaid for Rosalie Mercier, but they have a much more different relationship than that. They have a working relationship that extends beyond just the standard head of household and housemaid. They are both involved in something that is beyond Rosalie's purview and are more peers on that level. So... She doesn't always really get treated like just a housemaid, and there's definitely some tension amongst the crew that works in Rosalie's house around that.
1: Perfect. I can use that. Thank you.
0: And then, Victor, are you currently patrolling your territory?
1: You're down straight.
0: All right. Uh, I believe you have a comes with the territory move, then?
2: If you are actively patrolling your territory at the start of the session, roll with blood. That's a six.
0: All right, can you read me the miss condition?
2: On a miss, or if you aren't actively attending to your territory, things go south and your troubles are fast and furious.
0: Okay, and can you remind me of the troubles of your territory, please?
2: My territory has the troubles crime, encroachment, somebody powerful wants my territory, and haunted. My territory is plagued by mystical or supernatural presence.
0: We will definitely uh, swing back round to that one, because that's going to be a scene. But first, I believe Silk had something he wanted to do.
3: Yes, I would like to hit the streets. See if I can find someone who knows about this either this ring or this uh, looking glass.
0: Do you have somebody in mind?
3: I do. I would actually like to see if I know Theodora.
0: For the listeners at home, Silk and Theodora know each other. So when you hit the streets to get what you need, name who you're going to and roll with their faction. So Theodora is part of the power faction, so roll with power.
3: That is a seven.
0: On a hit, they're available and have the stuff. On a seven to nine, you get to choose one. Whoever you're going to is juggling their own problems or whatever you need is more costly than anticipated.
3: I think having them juggling their own problems is going to be what makes the most sense here.
0: So we get a shot of Silk driving up to the country club. Silk, do you have a membership with the country club? Oh, absolutely. Of course. So Silk, you get in no problem. The guards are familiar with you. And you know that Theodora's is here because you see her maroon vehicle parked in her spot. You all have reserved spots you know which one is hers. She is definitely here. When you ask around, you find out that she is tucked somewhere away. You're going to need to call her to get her to let you in. And she is definitely in a meeting with somebody if she's back in her own room.
3: Great. So yeah, I will definitely call Theodora then.
0: Alistair, as you and Theodora are sitting there wrapping things up, it's getting close to dinner time, her phone starts ringing. She pulls the phone out, looks at the name, <sighs> sorry, I should probably take this, and picks up the phone. And to what do I owe this pleasure?
3: Theodora, my dear, Um, I'm actually just swinging by the country club and see that you're here as well. I have something I'd like to bring to your attention and maybe you can assist with.
0: And what sort of thing is that? I'm a little busy.
3: Oh, just a few items of um, mystical nature and one that's just quite interesting.
0: I'll send Jonathan to let you in.
3: Lovely. I've always liked Jonathan.
0: A relatively young and handsome white boy comes out from the depths of the country club. And leads you back to Theodora's personal room, where you also find Alistair.
4: As Silk is being led in, Alistair's going to look over to Theodora and say, Personal business, dear cousin. You don't mind if I stick around now that we're allied, do you?
0: No, of course not. You look like you could use a good
4: meal anyways. He's just going to stay silent on that one. When Silk gets
3: into the room, he walks right up to Theodora, grabs her hands, and does the, like, European cheek-kissing sort of greeting.
0: She does the same thing right back to you.
3: Theodora, it's so nice to see you again.
0: Oh, and you, Silk. It has been too long. Have you met my, um, cousin Alistair before?
3: Alistair, uh, yes, uh, we are acquainted. It's good to see you. Um, perhaps you uh, might be of help here, too.
4: What might you be looking for help with?
3: Well, um, I don't know how up to the minute news you are with the less powered individuals. But uh, this morning, there was what I've been told isn't a standard mugging. Um, and there were some interesting tidbits about it. And uh, I think Silk pulls out his phone to show the picture of the ring and a picture of the circlet.
0: So, I think she knows about the ring, she doesn't know about the circlet. Is that okay? Because like, you did get the hit, but like the circlet is just something Theodora would not really know anything about.
3: That works fine. Uh, I'll probably still tell her what I know about it to pique her interest a little bit.
0: Actually, this uh, ring goes perfectly in line with the conversation that Alistair and I were just having. I've seen this symbol etched particularly around Point Claire. I do believe it has something to do with the parish of St. Fleur.
3: A religious icon, then.
0: They claim religion, but that's questionable. It's really hard to get into some of their masses.
4: And you said you found this where again?
3: Well, um, our mutual friend uh, Jeremiah actually found it. And it was somehow associated with the recently deceased.
0: And who was it that passed away?
3: Oh, some mortal or other. He had two eyes and a nose, I think. Great, thanks. I I think he probably had a mouth, though he didn't really say anything interesting.
0: Well, the dead tend not to speak without interference.
4: Alistair, like, stifles back a laugh at that. So, this ring that you found, is it believed to belong to the deceased, or dropped by someone that should not have been there?
3: Well, that's what I was actually hoping to find out. It's quite an interesting find that uh, I just want to learn more about it and see what I can squeeze out of people associated with it.
0: Well, all I can really tell you for now is that the ring, as far as we've been able to gather, tends to represent some sort of membership in the parish. Um, Definitely seems like something that is valuable to have. Maybe you'd like to stay for dinner and we can discuss this further? She gives you a look. A look? You're familiar with the look. It's that, I'm about to make a deal with a Fae and that's probably a bad idea look.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I would love to stay for a meal. It's been so long since we've shared one. Um, though, I guess it's not going to be the first time we've shared it with a third party.
4: Theodora blushes slightly and looks away. Quick. Question, how much does Alistair know about Silk? Like, how familiar are we with each other? Silk
3: doesn't try to hide. If you want to be friends with Silk, I am totally okay with that.
4: Mostly, I was just wondering if I'd need to put a face to a name to know his general reputation, or if he'd be more well-known than that.
3: I do think we had a starting relationship, so we should at least know of each other. I think I'm your provider for something.
4: That's right. I forgot about that. In that case, he's just arching his eyebrows as he watches this interaction. Alistair is very much here to listen and judge, more so than to offer anything, at least at this moment.
0: All right, so unless there is something you want to get out of Theodora over dinner, it's probably just going to be a fairly standard dinner. There's a little bit of talking shop, the implication of the opening for a relationship, a working relationship. I am cool with that. So we get that shot of the three of you eating dinner in Theodora's private study and afterwards, the three of you part and we get the shot of Theodora and Alistair walking to her car. And as the camera pans over the car, we get a shift to a different parking lot. One with a car that's slightly farther off from the others. And a young woman opening the car door.
1: Alex has been quietly stalking this young woman back to her car. And as she goes to open the door, he's just going to very lightly tap on her shoulder.
0: She jumps and turns her... She doesn't, like, turn her full body. She turns her, like, top part and her head enough to look over her shoulder back at you.
1: And the thing that I'm looking for here before Alex does what Alex does is, does she recognize who he is? Yes. As soon as he sees that, he's just going to grab and chomp. (laughs) For a brief moment, rather than a boring old bookkeeper, he's got rows upon rows of fangs.
0: What's that move called? And go ahead and roll it.
1: It's called Eternal Hunger. I hunger and I roll with blood. And let's see how this goes. That is an 11. First off, I am assuming she is an unwilling victim in this, which means that is my corruption move. Whenever I feed on an unwilling victim, I mark corruption.
0: Yes, I would say she is an unwilling victim in this.
1: But secondly, on a 10+, I choose three off of this list. And what I'm going to choose, first and foremost, is they don't die. I do not want to kill Anna. Secondly, I am going to take plus one forward. That'll maybe help me in in the future here. Thirdly, and most importantly, I learn a secret about them. And as we've established, Alex drinks blood, but what he actually eats is people. So he is done being subtle about this, and he's looking for whoever put her up to putting a brick through his window.
0: You get a series of blurred images. The first is of five people, all who are wearing masks that like, don't even have eye holes cover the top part of their face down through their nose. They're all golden beaded masks of a different variety of shape and size and clear importance. There's one person in the middle who is sitting down, who has the most extravagant mask, so you can easily assume that whoever that is, is probably the leader. And they are all wearing robes of varying neutral colors. One of them steps forward and places the bouquet of roses in Anna's hands. We get that shot of the camera panning down as she looks down at her own hands, as another places the piece of foxglove in her hair. And you hear a soft voice from the person in the center saying, She has asked us to send a message back to him. I trust you know what to do. And as you get that bit, the vision suddenly fades as her blood turns acrid in your mouth and you feel like her shoving you away hard.
1: And Alex will kind of back off, you know, wipe the remaining blood from his mouth with sort of the back of his hand there. Hello, Anna. And just pull that brick out of his pocket. You left something at my shop.
0: Yeah, and what about it?
1: I suspect that you think you know what you're doing here and i suspect that you are very wrong i'm just gonna walk forward kind of like hand that brick back towards her i extended an olive branch i politely made a request and what this tells me is that that terrified whoever you work for so you spurned my courtesy you broke my window And now you're going to do me a favor, Anna.
0: Roll to persuade an NPC.
1: Oh, I'm cashing in a debt.
0: That's fair. I forgot you had the debt on her. Okay, so you, when you cash in a debt, remind your debtor why they owed you. She broke your window. In order to...
1: I need to speak with your management. Introduce you to a powerful member of their faction.
0: I can introduce you to my direct manager.
1: That's a start.
0: And she locks her car back up and says... Come along then.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go along.
0: So as we get that pan shot of the two of you walking the path back up to Rosalie Mercier's mansion, our camera moves to a bustling brewery, slightly romantic in nature. The lights are low. There's that soft roar of the crowd in the background and two people sitting at a table, Jeremiah and Dinah.
5: Jeremiah is going to lean in close, keep his voice low. Say, who did that to you?
0: Roll to figure someone out.
5: That's fair.
0: So when you try to figure someone out, roll with mine. On a hit, hold two. On a seven to nine, they hold one on you as well. While you're interacting with them, spend your hold one to one to ask their player a question. If you're in their faction, ask an additional question, even on a miss. So you rolled a six.
5: Anything special on a miss?
0: Nope, the only thing is you get that additional question because you two are in the same faction.
5: Who's pulling Dinah's strings?
0: You lean forward and ask her who did this to you. (sighs) Jeremiah, it's... don't worry about it. I dealt with it. It was just a result of my meeting with my client this morning. His name is Axel Simon. Whoever it was that jumped me appeared to have a problem with him. It's... please don't bring it up again. And as she says that, like, please don't ask me about it again, she, like, flicks the menu open and puts it up between the two of you, reading it very intensely.
5: All right. Jeremiah will back off. So I need to look into this Axel Simon. All right. So she said that someone else jumped him.
0: Well, jumped her as a result of him. But he is the one who's currently pulling her
5: strings. Jeremiah will study the menu as well probably won't do any talking until she breaks the silence. So she is quiet up until the
0: waiter comes up to get your order. She orders a pale ale and like a burger. This place has real good burgers. And after he walks away, she turns her attention to you and just goes, so how did the uh, cursed item go? Well,
5: I have it, though... I suspect once the police chief realizes she's been had, things could get slightly interesting for me. Well, it does have an accompanying mirror, which is somewhere else. I haven't been able to track it down yet. Uh, So, all in all, not too bad of a day. I'm impressed
0: you managed to get an item out from under the police chief's nose. I've heard she has a um, rather good sense of smell.
5: Uh, a good friend was there to assist me, in that regard.
0: Well, aren't you lucky?
5: Usually, thankfully.
0: (sighs) I'm sorry, I really just wanted to have a nice dinner with you tonight. I made these reservations, like, a month and a half ago, and then today just went to shit.
5: Ugh, I've had some bad days myself. It's a really nice place you picked, though.
0: Thanks, it's, uh, not too far from my place, and I've been here a couple of times. I know the bartender. She helped me uh, get the table.
5: You seem to have been pretty lucky yourself. Well,
0: here and there, you know.
5: Yeah, I'm surprised. Month and a half.
0: I know, it's crazy, but they've only been open for, you know, maybe four or five months anyways, and everyone still seems to be very excited to get in here.
5: Well, I mean, I confess I also checked this place out, and waiting list put me somewhere like five months from now. So a month and a half is pretty quick turnaround time. That it is. Uh, Look, I know you said you don't want me to help with this, but if this Axel Simon is going to be an ongoing problem, it would be wise to reach out to your friends. Uh, So I'm going to try and persuade her.
0: All right. Yeah, I'll allow that. Roll to persuade an NPC. So that is a 10. So when you persuade an NPC through seduction, promises, or threats, roll with heart on a hit, they do what you ask. As like you're saying this, her face softens a little bit and she puts one of her hands on top of yours and sighs a little bit before going, Axel's not the problem. He knows what he wants and he pays well. It's whoever him and his have pissed off. I had to double through Shadydale to make a delivery, which mm, I never should go alone there anyways. And I don't know, it was, I just don't really want to think about it. I didn't know what they were asking me about. It had nothing to do with my items. They seemed more interested in Axel than anything. And I told them what very little I know, but you know, I make it a point to not know much about my clients.
5: This is wise in our profession.
0: Once they figured out I wasn't just lying and trying to cover for him, well, they let me go, but... I don't know, there were four or five of them, and what was I supposed to do?
5: No, he made a right call, this regard. Any identifying symbols on them that I could use to trace them?
0: You can tell, like, she's going over her memories of the events again. Like, you know Dinah has a pretty good memory. She just hasn't really processed this one yet. They had... Um, it kind of almost looked like a cross, but you know how, like, when little kids draw birds in the distance, they do, like, a swoop-swoop, and she makes the hand gesture as she does that? That was the horizontal line. Actually, here. And she just, like, grabs a napkin and, like, she reaches into her purse, doesn't even look, pulls out a pen, and, like, jots it down for you. Um, it was in red on a couple of their sleeves.
5: So it wasn't an arc. Okie dokie.
0: No, I would have been able to tell you if it was that.
5: So, cross, swoopy middle, uh, in red on their sleeves.
0: All right, is there anything else you want to talk to her about? Or can you two just have a nice romantic dinner and pretend that the world doesn't exist for a while?
5: Yeah, I think that's about all he wanted to ask Dinah about. So yeah, small talk, romantic dinner. It'll be nice.
0: And we finally make our way back to Victor, who is patrolling his territory
2: walking along on the sidewalk jumping over the slush in the gutter of the street to cross the street towards the several statues in the uh, square where we found kieran this morning
0: as you are walking through the square which has been cleaned up for now but is still eerily like people are not there because hey someone just got murdered here You trip a little bit. And as you trip, it seems like almost nowhere, somebody grabs you around the waist to stop you from falling into the street. And you are hit with that smell of nothing again. And a voice says, well, isn't this a proper meat cute this time?
2: Get your hands off me.
0: Well, that's no way to ask, but he unhands you.
2: I stand up straight. Victor looks this person over checks out their eyes their stance he wants to try to learn something about them
0: are you putting a face to a name or do you want to figure someone out
2: i think figure someone out i don't think i know who this person is
0: go ahead and roll with mind while you do that roll this person is a fairly slim asian man He is decently dressed, but not so well-dressed that he would, you know, stand out here in Eldersburg, nor does he stand out in Northview. He seems to be the ultimate chameleon. His eyes are very dark blue, almost black, and his hair is well-styled, slicked back.
2: Hmm. I got a seven.
0: So he is in the knight faction. So you get to ask an additional question. So you get to hold two but he also has one hold on you.
2: Ooh, interesting.
0: He offers a hand to you. Uh, my name is Zhu, and yours is?
2: I'm Victor, Victor Margaret. I uh, shake his hand.
0: You are surprised by the amount of strength behind his shake for the fact that he is such a slight man.
2: Mm. I match it. Good handshake on you.
0: Well, my parents did always say that first impressions are the ones that matter the most. I'm sorry for touching you without your permission. I just didn't want you to go um, falling into that delightful puddle of gross, gucky mush.
3: Yeah.
2: Appreciated. What is this character hoping to get from this interaction with me?
0: You get the feeling that like, as Jew is moving his hands and trying to move your attention away from him, he's also checking you out. He's looking you up and down, and you get the feeling that he is profiling you and trying to figure out where you fit into the overall plan for five points.
2: Hmm. Okay. I nod to the mostly empty square besides the two of us. What brings you out to five points?
0: Oh, well, a friend of mine uh, recommended that the uh, diner here has some uh, lovely coffee and pie. Perhaps you'd care to join me? I'm still relatively new to town.
2: Sure. You're buying. I gesture over towards Saul's diner.
0: So the two of you walk into the diner.
2: It's retro, but not because it's trying for that aesthetic. It's just old. You know, it's got those turquoise pleather diner booths, speckled linoleum that needs to be replaced. The boards are all old. You put the the letters and numbers in the board itself is not digital or anything
0: the two of you are able to get the booth in the back corner because it's not too busy tonight jenny is there as waitress and she walks over to take your order ju orders just a coffee black and a slice of cherry pie and then looks at you expectantly
2: do you have any more more of the pumpkin pie jenny
0: um i'll have to check with Saul, but i'm pretty sure there's still half of one in the freezer if you don't mind it being a little frozen
2: Nah, that's fine. And a coffee as well, please.
0: So two coffees black and two slices of pie. I will be right back. And she disappears back into the kitchen.
2: Who's pulling this character's strings? I turn my eyes back over to him and I get a sense that he's a member of the night. A person who (laughs) prowls the streets. But I want to know who he's dealing with.
0: As the two of you make some uncomfortable small talk that is mostly led by him and Jenny comes back with the coffees and the pie and Jude thanks her and as you watch him lift the cup to his lips you notice a extra row of fangs that are only there for a moment but they're there just long enough that you can pretty sure peg him as a vampire mm-hmm. and you have heard rumors of a well-established vampire brood within St. Fleur, who are led by a person who goes by Fenn.
2: So, is Fen making a move on my territory, then?
0: Jew smiles and goes, Oh, you're a sharp one, aren't you? Um, Well, maybe. They haven't quite decided what they want to do yet, and, I mean, I am their brother, so I'm just kind of here... Scoping the situation out for them. And, you know, you're easy on the eyes as well.
2: Thanks. Victor drinks some coffee.
0: So tell me, Mr. Margaret. Baron of Five Points, if I'm correct from what I've heard. What do you want to uh, get out of this interaction? hmm? You don't seem like the type to waste time.
2: I want to know whether or not you killed the person that was in the square this morning.
0: No. No. Absolutely not. That is not my style. and what a waste of blood, I mean. Seriously, just a waste. You see, if I were to do that to somebody, I wouldn't leave a drop behind. And his eyes like go black for a minute as he says that. And then he smiles and settles back in with his pie.:
2: How very economical of you.
0: These are trying times, as I'm sure you're uh, and he gestures towards your clothes. Well aware. Yeah. He grabs a napkin and starts jotting down his phone number and then slides it across to you as well as putting a 20 on the table.
2: Victor takes the uh, napkin, looks at the number, quickly memorizes it, and then balls it up and puts it in his pocket.
0: But I can at least tell you that today I have no plans on making any sort of move. I think I've already made one anyways. And he kind of gets, like, a little bit of, like, a wistful look on his face, and then... And Midnight Roses didn't want to talk to me anyway, so I think I shall, uh, go check somewhere else. I hear lovely things about Point Claire this time of night.
2: You should go there. Don't plan on making any moves here at all, if you know what's good for you.
0: Well, when you find yourself in far over your head, you know where to find me. Or if you're just a little lonely at night. And he winks and walks away.
2: Hmm. I have an excuse to be in the diner now. So I'm going to stay here for a while.
0: And he left a 20 on the table, which is more than enough to pay for the pie, the coffee and leave a decent tip. So Jenny's not going to throw a fit about you sitting there.
2: I still get one more question, I think. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sip my coffee and think about their mannerisms, their presence here and wonder what does you worry might happen?
0: He mentioned that he's the brother of Finn. Finn has been running fairly unopposed as the major vampire presence here in St. Fleur, and they actually have like a clan and a faction. He is probably worried about somebody else moving in on his brother's territory and has come here to help his brother expand instead of retract. I'll
2: have to keep an eye on him and. Look out for more vampires, than Victor mumbles to himself. He finishes his pie. Have a good one, Jenny.
0: You too, Victor.
2: The bell jingles on my way out, and I head back out into the cold.
0: Alistair, Theodora has dropped you back off at the
2: manor.
4: Yes, assuming it's not nearish midnight yet. No. All right. Did she give me any names or information on this other group I'm supposed to be looking into?
0: All you know is that they are involved in the church and that it's not just wizards. She doesn't have names yet. She's working on that.
4: All right. In that case, I think Alistair would once again go to his parents for advice, assuming they are available.
0: This is part of your sanctum, right? Like your parents are?
4: Yes, they are my extremely knowledgeable assistant.
0: The mirror is empty when you get up there. You know with how it works that it kind of needs, like, charged. You know that you, like, need to give something as, like, a magical offering to, like, transform into magical energy to be able to consult with your parents again so soon. And that is one of your remaining bottles of the liquor that Kieran stocks for you.
4: How disappointing. He is going to grab one of the few bottles that are left. He takes a fairly sizable swig of it before pouring one out for his parents.
0: It's your dad who shows up this time.
4: Hello, father. Uh, I'm going to cut quite right to the chase. It's been quite a day today. Uh, What can you tell me about the covens that came before us?
0: Oh, well, son, there was the Merciers who we basically destroyed. There were the Coens um, who had migrated, immigrated from Greenland I think it was and they never caused us much problems eventually they just became absorbed by the Lockwood Coven Um, there were always markings of maybe some unaffiliated masters but we could never really find another group that they could be working with
4: good to know I well Theodora seems to think that there's potential for advancement for her within the city It's something she asked me to look for- look into. And you're going to work with my bitch of a sister's daughter. How vulgar of you, father. Sorry, you are correct. Trust me, I would rather not bring up those old memories, but if it gets her to sign over control of the Lockwood Coven to me, then all sacrifices must be made.
0: I would be careful about that price, son. Alright, who has something they want to do?
5: I want to trigger the Scholar's Intimacy move on Dinah.
0: Ooh, do tell!
5: Alright, so when you share a moment of intimacy, physical or emotional, with another person, they get a debt on you, and you have what they desire. Ask them to name an item they have been seeking. That item has recently turned up in your arcane network.
0: So how does that conversation go? I'm assuming it's over dinner
5: at some point. Probably it's winding down and we're looking at the dessert menu. Just uh, look up at Dinah and say, So I've heard that you're um, looking for something. You know, item by name.
0: Uh, Yes, I have been looking for something. I've heard rumors in the last couple of months of a pendant that can be used to find one's way through even the heaviest of mist, and I have many uses for such an item.
5: I've got some good news for you. Uh, I heard a couple rumors that it's turned up. No, i have to look into it a bit more, see if I can any of those rumors into fact but there's a good chance it's actually around now
0: well if you were to find it for me i would be forever in your debt well
5: i'll ask around see if anyone's had any solid leads on it soon
0: thank you now that is enough talk of business today i what do you think tiramisu or creme brulee
5: oh uh tiramisu definitely
0: It is getting late in the evening. The moon is out. And we use that shot of the night sky to pan back to Rosalie Mercier's mansion in Point Claire. Anna brings you in through the servant's door. It looks like basically all of the staff has cleared out for the night. And she takes you up a back staircase that opens out into Rosalie's office. Before entering, she does a coded knock before opening the door. Rosalie has a very large office. There's a sitting area that this door opens off of she tends to prefer cool colors so the rug on the floor is plush and a navy blue the couches themselves are gray it feels very modern but yet still has kind of that study warmth to it and rosalie herself is sitting back at her desk behind her computer she has like three screens her hair is pulled up in a messy bun she kind of looks like crap to be honest right now because she wasn't really expecting anybody you know actual company tonight she is focusing on getting all of her trades ready for tomorrow and she's a very busy and very important person she doesn't even look up from her screen and just says uh anna i thought we were done today
1: i'm sure you did
0: you like hear it go dead silent like a pin could drop for a minute
1: Hello, Miss Mercier.
0: Hello, Mr. Shopkeeper.
1: Do you care to explain the brick?
0: She looks at Anna, who just kind of like points at her neck, which is still bleeding. The blood is oozing kind of weird, and it's turned kind of black. And Rosalie sighs. Thank you, Anna. I can go wait outside, please. And Anna curtsies slightly, out of habit. And heads out, leaving just the two of you in Rosalie's office. She's, like, tapping her pen that was in her hand on her desk. And why should I explain the brick to you?
1: Consider it a matter of courtesy.
0: That's rich.
1: Oh, I, uh, I wouldn't know. I offer flowers and you literally threw them back in my face. Granted, I don't think it's you.
0: I say, I didn't throw them back in your face.
1: No, nor were they offered to you. But, here we are.
0: Anna was just doing what was asked of her.
1: Oh, correct, and that's why I just took a little nibble.
0: Then I don't see what you expect me to tell you that you don't already know from your very polite introduction.
1: Perhaps we are going about this the wrong way. Let's not dance around things. You, or someone you work for or with, has made a statement. I have declared an intent. I want Point Claire.
0: Good luck with that one.
1: Let me ask you, Miss Mercier, were you trying to scare me off, or was it just a message that you didn't appreciate my nosing around?
0: Can you... I feel like we got a roll here. Yeah. I could see it either going to be a persuade or figure someone out. I'm okay at going either way if you have a preference.
1: I think figure someone out makes more sense. Okay. And I do still have that plus one forward from chomping on Anna. That is a 12.
0: All right. So on a hit, hold two.
1: And I think I'm just going to like walk forward and sort of lean over her desk at her. I think we both know that at best... You are part of a conglomerate, and at worst, your middle management. So tell me, Miss Mercier, who do I really need to talk to? Who's pulling your strings?
0: They are addressed only as the Fleur, and I would not be able to tell you who they are. I'm sure you understand that things like this run better if you don't actually know who you can throw under the bus, so to speak. Anna and I have a slightly different relationship than is normal for this situation.
1: Let me uh expand, because in my point of view, that's part of the problem. No one is accountable because no one is known. This city is dying inside. And trust me, I know a thing or two about that. I promise you, once I take over, and I do say once, not if... You will know exactly where to come. So, how could I put you in my debt?
0: Well, Mr. Giraud, I still know exactly where to go when I need to talk to someone. But I won't lie that I don't always agree with the way that things are running, and I might be inclined to scratch your back if you were to scratch mine, so to speak. Um... Isabel Lane is the chaplain of the satellite in Eldersburg, and she's always been something of a thorn in my side. If she were to disappear, I'd be more inclined to change my allegiances. And I think
1: Alex is just going to smile at her. I don't think he's going to say anything, but just a very wide, very toothy smile, and then nods, and then turns to leave. I'll be seeing you, Miss Mercier.
0: You too. Uh, be careful Anna tends to stab things.
1: Oh, uh, and just as a friendly warning, next time knock on the damn door.
4: Wasn't my idea.
1: But yeah, after that, I'm just going to head out. I've got a, I've got a date with the church tonight. So, you know.
4: Alistair would like to add one more thing to Jeremiah's plate.
5: Oh, okay. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I think after Alistair's dinner with Theodora and Silk, Alistair is going to call Jeremiah.
5: Well, jeez, this happens, like, right in the middle of a parking lot, doesn't it?
0: It can be a little later, if you want it to be.
5: Actually, I have one question before we have do this. Uh, am I going back to Dinah's place? Is she coming back to my place? Or are we both heading our separate ways tonight?
0: An invitation to go to her place was extended, but she definitely wants to sleep in her own bed tonight. She's still a little shaken up.
5: Yeah, so this will be at Dinah's place, then. Jeremiah will look down at his phone, not recognized number, and answer it. Uh, Jeremiah Antiques Anqui- Acquisition, how can I help you?
4: Yes, my dear associate Jeremiah. This is Alistair Lockwood of the St. Fleur Lockwoods, you know, master of the arcane arts and victim of you stealing my bag away from me.
5: How can I help you Alister?
4: It has come to my attention that you came into possession of a certain item today that I would quite like to take a look at. And seeing as how you have a tendency to take items from me, I think it's in your best interest to allow me some time with it. And I would like to cash in one of the debts that I have on Jeremiah to have him Give me a chance to basically investigate this ring.
5: Could you specify this item? As much as I love uh, veiled and double talk, it is late, and I am talking to you.
4: A certain ring that you've picked up. I believe it has a symbol on it that uh, aligns with some business I need to take care of.
5: Jeremiah will, uh, retrieve his day planner from his bag. Alright, well, come by tomorrow afternoon. I've got a meeting until about three, so let's say four o'clock. I have an hour to prepare for your arrival.
4: Yes, uh, I don't see as you'll need to prepare much. Just give me some time alone with the ring and we'll call it even sound good i need time to uh not
5: strangle you yeah
2: fucking pricks
0: Dinah walks out from the master or really just like leans out from the doorway as that like phone call gets hung up and she hears you she catches the end of try not to strangle you and all the like fuckness and then just like I think it's probably time for us to go to bed.
5: Yes, I need to uh, forget about the call I just got.
0: Well, I might be able to help with that. And we fade. All right, so Victor, you wanted to go talk to Midnight Roses.
2: We see a shot of Victor lit only by the streetlights walking down one of the avenues that comes from Five Points and to an Apartment Complex and knocks on the first door to the left, which is our dear Midnight Rose's abode.
0: So what is your goal here? Like, are you just trying to talk to her? Or are you trying to get something?
2: I want to get any information she has on who did this murder or who might have wanted this murder to happen.
0: Can you roll to hit the streets with Wild then?
2: Absolutely. Hey, that's an 11. I finally succeeded on a roll. On a hit, they're available and have the stuff.
0: You knock on the door, and it takes a minute, but the uh, door opens itself. The shot we get of Midnight's Rose's apartment looks different than the shot we got earlier when Silk was there. For Silk, the door opened into a nice sitting room with an enchanted bay window. For Victor, Victor, what would make you feel at home?
2: Five points. But, like, in the summer... Somebody's opened up a fire hydrant, and we've got kids playing in it. Um, It's warm. The sun's out, maybe.
0: All right. So that's the sort of view that's seen from her bay window this time instead of the rose garden. And the just entire interior feels like five points embodied. It's a little artistic, but it's still comfortable. It's still, you know, that homey nature that Eldersburg overall has. And... Midnight Roses is sitting at the table where Chess has been set up. Oh, do come in, Victor. I figured it was only a matter of time.
2: Thanks for seeing me so late, Midnight Roses.
0: Is it late? (sighs) Human time is so weird.
2: I nod and uh, walk in. I presume we've played chess before, or is this someone else's chess game?
0: You haven't played chess before! This is a brand new game. It's a bit of a nod to the fact that there's always someone playing chess in the park, but you also know it's an invitation.
2: Yeah, I sit down. I think I sit down behind the black pieces. I would like if you would tell me anything you know about the murder this morning. Who might have done it? Who might benefit from it?
0: Oh, Victor, my dear boy. How much do you know of the history of St. Fleur?
2: Let's just say it wasn't my best subject.
0: She smiles at that and motions for you to make your move.
2: I move a knight out in the position.
0: Well, I have been around St. Fleur for, well, before it was even St. Fleur, we used to be called Goose Point. And a large part of the success of being able to establish such a major city in such an odd location was due to St. Fleur herself. Of course, the history books would just say that she was in... Empathetic listener and someone who was good at mirroring what one's thought back to themselves. But she was an oracle of unheard of powers. And those powers always come with a price. She moves a pawn.
2: Victor moves his knight to take that pawn.
0: That power requires sacrifice. And Mabel herself was willing to make those sacrifices. But to continue to hold this city the way it is, she had to leave a legacy of that behind. And if I am reading the signs right, the latest sacrifice is none too happy about what has happened and is making a stand for themselves. And if I had to, well, if I were a betting woman, my bet would be on whoever that is making a point to the church right here within our own little community.
2: So someone who has a problem with the church then, Victor castles on his king side. Hmm.
0: I mean, I'm sure you'll have no problem finding plenty of people who fit that description, but I haven't quite figured out who it is yet, but with the way they're moving and the series of victims in their path, Midnight Roses, like, gestures towards the pieces that have been taken off the board so far. They seem to be honing in on whoever their actual target is. We're seeing fewer vampires, and she, like, taps her bishop. Werewolves taps her knight. Hell, even fey and demons. And, like, gestures towards the queen and king.
2: Victor's, uh, his face under his eye twitches just slightly.
0: Being caught up in this mess and instead it's powered human after powered human. She, like, flicks one of her pawns over. That is falling. Says something about the church, doesn't it?
2: They're not good at protecting their people, and they're good at pissing people off, but that makes sense. Hmm. Well, do you have a lead I could follow up on?
0: Hmm. No, I don't, but I know someone who might be able to help you. Have you met Cassandra DeWitt before?
2: Can't say that I have had the pleasure.
0: Uh well, Cass is a lovely girl and has a very, very bright mind. I, um, I'll have to introduce the two of you.
2: That would be most helpful. Victor makes another aggressive move before standing up. I'll be going. Thank you for the information, Midnight Roses.
0: Of course, my door is always open for you. And I hope you enjoyed the blanket.
2: Yes, thank you very much. He puts his collar up as he prepares to go outside and uh, walks back out into the cold.
0: As we get that shot of Victor walking back out into the cold, his air forming fog around him, the camera pans back around to Midnight Roses, who is sitting there tapping her fingers gently on the table, looking at the layout of the chessboard before waving her hand over it and it all just disappears as she stands up and moves further into the apartment, humming a haunting tune to herself. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider becoming a patron. You can find us on Patreon at the link in the episode description. A big thank you and shout out to our first two patrons, Zach and Charlie. You can find Zach on Twitter at esperzm and Charlie on Twitter at magical They're both absolutely lovely people and we highly recommend you check them out. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast seed and edited by Caitlin Cornell. You can find her on Twitter at SuperCaitlin1. Alistair, who judges everyone but would be very offended if you judged him, is voiced and played by Andy. You can find him on Twitter at AndyLion92. Alex, who reads way too much into a young woman throwing a brick and some roses through his window, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at teuface. Silk. Who can't tell any mortals apart for the life of him is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor, connoisseur of frozen pumpkin pie and shitty diner coffee, is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist And finally, Jeremiah, who definitely chose the wrong dessert in Dinah's opinion, is voiced and played by Matthew. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at magpieofficial. The intro music used in this episode is Epic Unease by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompotech.com. The outro music used in this episode is Dark Carnival VL by Paratune. You can find more of their work at paratoon.com. Farewell to your listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur.